Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Thanks for joining us today. And thanks to all of you who have been sending us messages about the podcast. Our goal is to bring a bit of encouragement, positivity, and inspiration to our listeners each week. So today, wherever you are as you listen to this podcast, I hope what you hear today can bless your life and help you live better. By the way, if you find these podcasts helpful, please be sure to share them with a friend. That would help us expand our mission and keep doing a little bit of good. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about the rising tide in your life. Each year, there are about 190 fatalities from diving, about half from scuba diving and the other half from free diving. Free diving is a crazy sport that takes on several different varieties. Some free diving is exactly that, diving to depths without oxygen. In No Limits Free Diving, Divers are taken to incredible depths with weights and then brought to the surface with inflatable jackets. The record for holding your breath underwater is 11 minutes and 35 seconds, believe it or not. The record for diving with fins and descending under your own power is 316 feet. And the record for no limits free diving is 642 feet. These are all unbelievable records all without oxygen, and all extremely dangerous. Audrey Mester was attempting a no-limits dive of 561 feet to break the women's record. She had a 200-pound weight taking her to the depth and then safety divers to look after her along the way. But on her ascent at a depth of 300 feet, she blacked out. A safety diver activated her inflatable device, her vest, but it was too late. She passed away. Most recently, Natalia Molkanova, who was thought to be the greatest diver in the sport, was giving a diving lesson for free. And Natalia was a fierce trainer and competitor. To train yourself to hold your breath for nine minutes is an incredible feat. And she trained her mind to deconcentrate, to become perfectly quiet. She works not to be in her mind, so to speak. And that helps her to dismiss the panic and pain that comes along when you can't breathe. She also trains in proper breathing techniques. You see, the lower third of the lungs contains two-thirds of the blood supply, and it's that blood that holds the oxygen and carries it throughout the body. So divers like Natalia must use the muscles of their diaphragm when they breathe to get the oxygen into that lower part of the lungs. The proper breathing technique allows free divers to lower their heart rate, some to as slow as 14 beats per minute reduce the carbon dioxide levels in their body, and make room to fill every possible space with air. And during a dive of this type, once you pass the effects of buoyancy, your goal is to keep your body as limp as possible in order to conserve air. And once the diver turns and begins to climb back to the surface, the struggle is to remain calm because you're feeling the effects of oxygen deprivation and the normal reaction is to panic. Well, this is something Natalia had done hundreds of times. She held 41 world records in her lifetime, and she was giving a private lesson off the coast of Spain, and during the dive, she had no spotters or support staff. She descended to a depth of 130 feet, and the ocean currents 
took hold of her and, most people believe, drug her for several thousand feet underwater. She never surfaced and was never found. Ocean currents and tides are incredibly powerful. Just a few months ago, Dylan was diving off the coast of Key West, Florida. Now, Key West is blessed with an abundance of coral reefs and marine life, which makes diving there a world-class experience. On the local reefs, the barracuda and other fish prowl the gullies and coral fingers. The outer ledges of the island drop to more than 60 feet deep, making exploring the underworld off Key West something most divers want to do. Plus, the area is famous for shipwrecks. There are over 1,000 shipwrecks off the Keys. The coral reefs were responsible for many of the ancient shipwrecks because the coral reefs were a pesky obstacle and the winds around the Keys made navigating a sailing ship very difficult. Well, Dylan was diving without an oxygen tank and got a bit separated from the group he was with. While underwater, the current started to pull him out to sea. It was so strong, he didn't know what to do. He was pulled out to sea, holding his breath for nearly two minutes. When he finally surfaced, he was a mile away from his boat. He tried to swim towards the boat, but no luck. He continued to drift out to sea. Now, you may think it's easy to spot a person in the water, but at sea, it's almost impossible. The waves rise and fall, making a person's head, which is dark against the water, impossible to see. Well, it took some time before his group knew he was missing, but they eventually called the Coast Guard for help. The Coast Guard swung into action, deploying several search crews. You see, the Coast Guard knows that it is significantly more likely that you'll find a diver the faster you get into action and before that diver drifts into the open ocean. By the time his family was notified and Dylan's mom got the word, it had been several hours. She swung in to action. She knew it would be dark soon, and she grabbed several friends and family members, loaded into her father's boat, and joined the search. After four hours in the water, Dylan knew he needed to make himself more visible. So he found a couple of buoys floating in the water and held on to them. As he swam, he was deathly worried about the sharks in the water, hoping that somehow he would be found before the sharks found him. Well, Dylan's family didn't know where to search. Dylan's grandfather was driving the boat and was driving fast, and they had no information about where Dylan might be. And just as night started to set in, Dylan heard the sound of an engine. It was a familiar sound. It sounded like his grandfather's boat. And he looked to the east and saw a boat, but they were too far away to see him, especially with the light sinking fast. Suddenly, the boat slowed and then stopped. Why did the boat slow down? Well, aboard the boat, Dylan's mom yelled to Grandpa to slow the boat down. It was getting dark, and she was afraid that they were moving so fast they would drive right past Dylan. Call it a mom's intuition or a miracle. When the boat slowed down, it gave everyone on board a chance to scour the wave caps. And sure enough, that's when someone saw Dylan's buoys. They turned and drove directly to him. It's crazy. Like a needle in a haystack, it wasn't the Coast Guard or trained search personnel that found Dylan and saved his life, but his family, his mom. She somehow knew when to turn the boat and when to turn the tide 
to save her son's life. You know, we're all a bit like Natalia and Dylan. We're subject to the tides and the currents of life. And it's easy to think that we're often swimming against the tide. I know I felt that way from time to time. But what if there was a way to use the rising tides in our life to break free from the currents that might come our way? Well, first, it's important to realize that in the ocean and in life, tides do rise. And the great thing about tides is that they move regardless of other forces, whether it's the wind or currents. They are powerful. Tides are driven by the moon, and the tides move with every moon cycle every 12 hours and 25 minutes. You've heard the saying, right, that a rising tide lifts all boats. So in your life, I suspect there are forces, like a tide, that will ensure you rise regardless of the currents or circumstances facing you today. Let's consider the force of faith. Faith is the power to continue even when you can't see the end outcome. Faith is the enabling power to persevere despite challenges that may seem beyond your control. Faith in other people is believing that despite odds or circumstances, they can and do prevail. You know, a few years ago, Heather Brown and Tyler Smith jumped into the water of Matanzas Inlet in Florida. They wanted to swim across the inlet so they could tell their friends they had accomplished the feat. What they didn't know was the weather service had issued a small craft advisory for the day, which meant because of the wind, small craft should avoid the water or risk being swept out to the deep sea. Well, as they started their swim, they were unaware of the currents, but soon it became obvious that they were drifting closer and closer to open water and their efforts to swim were almost fruitless against the current. So they set their sights on the lighthouse and gave it all they had to reach it, but the white cap waves pulled them out further. Heather's favorite Bible verse reads, We glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience worketh hope. After graduation, Heather was headed to Emory Riddle Aeronautical University as a naval ROTC candidate and Tyler was headed to Florida Atlantic University. Both were grounded in their faith. Heather said, I have to keep swimming. I have faith that this will not end badly. They held on to each other and prayed. Tyler prayed out loud, screaming into the storm, God, if you're out there, please send something to save us. Well, unbeknownst to Heather and Tyler, Eric Wagner had been debating for weeks how to get his 1977 vintage yacht from Florida to New Jersey. His hand was forced when the slip where he stored his yacht was given to another boat. So he plotted his 1,000-mile course to New Jersey, but repairs had delayed his departure. He wondered why one thing after another kept delaying him. He needed to get started. Finally, after several days, Eric and his friends got underway. But then again, another day of delays for repairs. Then the small craft warning was issued. And after considerable debate, Eric felt they needed to get underway no matter what. He didn't know why. He just felt an urgency to get moving despite the storm. The ride was rough, but they knew the storm would be short-lived, so they pressed forward. Then as they sped along, despite the noise of the wind and motor and music that was playing, all the passengers suddenly heard what they thought was a scream. Everyone stopped talking, and they looked around. They heard the scream again, and Eric looked over his back shoulder. 
About 200 yards behind them, they saw two little dots, and one was waving. When they came close to the two people in the water, they said, where's your boat? But neither swimmer was able to talk. As they pulled Heather and Tyler aboard, exhausted, Heather looked Eric in the eye and said, God is real. Eric said the two were in rough shape. Shivering uncontrollably, it was clear hypothermia was setting in. Well, as they warmed the two swimmers, they started to talk. Heather said, out of desperation, we started to pray. I started to call out to God, Tyler cut in, and that's when you showed up. Eric smiled and said to them, the name of my boat is Amen. Eric told the two that he was a man of faith. He said he didn't know why, despite all the delays, he felt inspired to depart in the storm. Now he knew. Now you could call this a coincidence, and maybe it was. But I believe for both Heather and Tyler, this act of faith, their prayer, their belief, is what saved their life. And I think when times get tough again in their life, they'll now turn to faith again. Yes, there is a tide in life that can lift us despite the storms or the winds. And faith is something that prevails even in storms. You know, my father's a man of faith. He genuinely believes that faith in God does, in fact, bring about results. He's tried during his lifetime to honor God by the way he lives. And he's tried to be honest, to to serve, to have standards for living, to pray, and to be a good person. Recently, when my mother passed away, I watched him weather the storm. For years, he had cared for her through cancer and failing health. His days were filled with taking care of her and tending to her needs. And after she passed, he missed her. Plus, he went from having a purpose each day to not having a purpose. His days were no longer full, and my mother was not there for him to serve. But I saw his faith carry him along. His faith that he would see my mom again. His faith that God still had a purpose for him at 89 years of age. His faith that God will tend to his needs. His faith that God would carry him through difficult days. And yes, Faith is a rising tide that lifts you in life. I think sometimes we don't have faith because we don't see how God or life could prepare the way for us. But the longer I live, the more I see that faith will carry us when nothing else will. And I also see that there is often a way prepared for us to reach our goals and do what we were meant to do. On New Year's Day several years ago, Dorothy Fletcher was on a flight from Manchester, England to attend her daughter's wedding in Florida. Partway into the flight, she started having a terrible pain in her back, across her chest and down her arm. What Dorothy soon realized was that she was having a heart attack. In the last three years, 920 people showed symptoms of a heart attack or heart problem during an airplane flight. And of those, 162 were admitted to the hospital after landing. 38 suffered cardiac arrest on the airplane, and 31 died. So, having a heart attack while on board a plane is really serious because the best treatment for the symptoms is early intervention. When Dorothy notified the flight attendant, she was already in trouble and the plane was hours from the airport. So, the flight attendant got on the PA system and called out for help. She said, Is there a doctor on board the plane? If so, will you please ring your flight attendant button? Immediately, a series of beeps ensued, and 15 people stood up. Unbeknownst to Dorothy and the flight attendant, 
there was a heart disease research conference being held in Orlando, and the plane was filled with cardiologists en route to the conference. At one point in time, Dorothy's condition became gravely serious. The doctors used an IV from the onboard medical kit and administered life-saving care to keep her alive. The plane was diverted to North Carolina, where Dorothy would spend two days in intensive care, and luckily she still made it to her daughter's wedding. Dorothy's story teaches us, don't ever doubt that things have been ordered and prepared for you. I believe that if we could see things as they really are, we'd see that we have more going for us than we usually think. If you're going to doubt anything, doubt your doubts. Even if it feels like you're not making much progress towards your goals this year, or your business, or your habits, don't doubt. There is more prepared and coming your way than you might think. Another tidal force in life is hope. As the scripture says, hope is an anchor to the soul, sure and steadfast. A few years ago, I learned a profound lesson about hope. My friend Jake was 13 years old. He was told by doctors that the cancer in his eye had returned and they would need to take his only remaining eye, he had lost his first eye to cancer as a baby, in order to save his life. His mother was afraid for her son. How could he ever reach his dreams? What would the future hold for him? For Jake, he had the fear of surgery. Would it finally remove his cancer? How would he recover? Would he have friends in the future if he couldn't run and play with them? How would he learn in school? He would never see the sky, people's faces, and his life was about to be dramatically different. Jake said one day, a scripture from Jeremiah 29 changed his perspective. It says, For I have plans for you, so declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. I saw Jake cling to this scripture for years. He would say it over and over again. He would repeat it, saying, God has a plan for my future to give me hope. Well, soon, Jake would become the starting long snapper for his football team in high school. He would publish a book and become a speaker. He then became the only blind person to play Division I football in the NCAA when he played for the USC Trojans and played at long snapper as a senior in college. Today, he runs his own business. It took time, but Jake's anchor of hope in what he believed God had in store for him saw him through a lot of dark days. As Zig Ziglar famously said, when there's hope in the future, there is power in the present. Next, there are other tidal forces in life that see us through even the difficult days. Ella Wheeler Wilcox, the heralded American author and poet, wrote in her poem, The Winds of Fate, the following. One ship drives the east and another drives west with the selfsame winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that tells them the way to go. Like the winds of the sea are the winds of fate as we voyage along through life. Tis the set of the soul that decides its goal and not the calm or the strife. I believe that the set of the sail or soul does help us in life. You have met people who have firm goals, and those goals play a role on what they do, who they meet, and often where they live, and directs their life despite life's circumstances. 
You know, there's a movie out nowadays called Big George Foreman. It tells in part one of my favorite stories of the power of a clear goal, determination, and the set of your sails or soul in life. It begins in Zaire, Africa in 1974. George Foreman was about to face Muhammad Ali in the boxing ring. Foreman had never been knocked out in a professional fight before, but that night in Zaire, at the fight famously called the Rumble in the Jungle, Foreman was outboxed and outfoxed by the fast hands of Ali. Throughout the fight, Ali jabbed at Foreman using his punching arm, a type of insult to boxers saying, I'm too fast and can jab you with either hand. He verbally attacked Foreman and used his tactic called rope-a-dope to lean back on the ropes, letting Foreman wear himself out, punching Ali over and over while Ali waited. Ali waited until the eighth round. By then, Foreman was exhausted, and Ali took him out with a quick combination. Foreman would not get up to beat the count. George would later say it seemed like he'd been fighting his whole life. He was tired of fighting. You see, Foreman grew up in the Fifth Ward of Houston, Texas, where you had to fight just to stay alive. If there was trouble, Foreman says, I was typically in the middle of it. Foreman used his brutality he learned in the neighborhoods of Houston to launch his boxing career in the 1968 Olympics. As a professional, he was known as a brutal power puncher, fierce and explosive. His tactic was power. He was ugly, mean, and antisocial and he had a permanent chip on his shoulder. Of his 40 professional wins, 37 were by knockout, and no one wanted to face the furious and ferocious George Foreman. Even before the Ali fight, however, it was evident Foreman was self-destructing. So much anger can only burn so long. In the years after Ali knocked him out, Foreman tried to mount a comeback, but he couldn't. Finally, in 1977, following another loss in the locker room, he had a near-death experience where he heard God telling him to change his life and change his ways. And Foreman did change. He left boxing altogether, started a ministry, opened a youth center in Houston, and began to serve those in his community. And not only did his life change, but his face changed. A smile that Famous George Foreman's smile that sold millions of the lean, mean, grilling machine took over Foreman's life. And over the next 10 years, Foreman found his smile, made millions, and grew his ministry. He had everything, plus an amazing boxing career to look back on with pride. But Foreman had not reached his goals. He wanted the heavyweight title. The problem was he was old overweight, out of shape, and had lost that anger, that edge he needed and had as a young fighter. And the truth is, in boxing, nice fat guys don't win. Have you ever had a dream or a goal that you could become or do something remarkable, yet others thought you were too old or not talented enough? Have you tried and failed only to wonder if you really can? If so, then take a lesson from Foreman. His goals were set, so to speak. When he announced his intention to come back and take the heavyweight title, almost everyone laughed and then dismissed it as a publicity stunt. But to Foreman, this was no stunt. He was about leaving this life having done what you set out to do. So in 1987, at the age of 38, weighing 270 pounds and 10 years 
since he boxed his last professional bout, Foreman began his comeback. For more than seven years, he trained and fought. In his first year, he won five fights, and he started to slim down and get into shape. The next year, he won seven fights. Finally, in 91, he got his chance, a title fight against Evander Holyfield. The fight went all 12 rounds. An amazing feat for the 41-year-old foreman, but he lost in decision. But he had a moral victory, right? He proved the skeptics wrong. He could stay in the ring for 12 rounds with the champion of the world. Surely, he would hang it up. But the set of his sails, the set of his soul, was dead set on reaching his goal. He wasn't done. He hadn't reached his goal. And it's not over, he said, till I win. He went on to fight Alex Stewart, lost. Then Tommy Morrison, lost again. But Foreman stayed in the game. Then three years later, 20 years since losing to Muhammad Ali, Foreman got another title shot at the title. Michael Moore had won the heavyweight title and couldn't resist the purse that promoters were giving to fight the smiling famous Foreman. So George got another shot at the title. But there was a problem. Foreman was now 45 years old. Never had anyone so old won a title fight. He had no chance against the younger, more powerful champion. How could he win? No one but Foreman thought he had a chance. So on November 5th in Las Vegas, Nevada, Foreman stepped into the ring to reach his goal. He was wearing the red trunks he wore 20 years earlier when he lost to Ali. For the first nine rounds of the fight, Moore easily outboxed Foreman. Foreman couldn't keep up with him. Moore's jab was too quick, and he kept jabbing Foreman again and again, causing Foreman's left eye to swell shut. Frustrated, Foreman couldn't land a meaningful blow. Many of his swings just whiffed through the air, not connecting at all. But the older, fatter Foreman just stayed in the fight, punching, pursuing, and taking the fight to Moore. Foreman had lost much of his form, but not much of his heart. Then, in a moment that will last forever in boxing history, a left jab followed by a short right hand caught Moore on the chin, sending him to the canvas. It happened so quick and was so unexpected, it was unthinkable. Moore couldn't get up. Foreman had won. In a second, Foreman regained the title he lost to Ali 20 years before. He became the heavyweight champion of the world. The set of our sails, what we determine to do, can and does see us through the storms of life. Unless you sail, you may not know that a boat can sail directly into the wind. The helm of the boat and the sail working together can enable the boat to sail into the wind. To travel into the wind, the boatman turns the boat slightly at an angle to the wind. And the sail, shaped like a wing, creates a lift like a wing and pushes it against the helm or the keel, creating force that moves the boat forward, zigzagging towards the wind. As the scripture says, a very small helm enables a very large ship to steer. The same goes for you in your life. Through faith and hope and goals and determination, these small things you can and will direct your life to miraculous places. So, as we end today, put on a bit of faith and hope in your day. Set your sails and stick to your course. 
Despite your current struggles, I am certain God has prepared a way for you to reach your goals. Don't give up. There is a new ocean and great opportunities ahead for you. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. And join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.